This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Mark Stein has joined us on the line, international best-selling author and host of The Mark Stein Show. Mark, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I, I thought your choo-choo jumped the tracks years ago, John. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You, you should be more relaxed about this. Exactly. Uh, I've got to watch the caboose. Uh, listen, uh, you know, this thing with the whole train uh, tie-ups and everything, I mean, Justin Trudeau came from his uh, gallivanting all over Africa and wherever he was headed to Barbados. He canceled that trip, by the way. Mm. Uh is he seen to be in over his head here? I mean, uh, because he was all about, you know, reconciliation and indigenous rights and so on and so forth. None of that materialized. And here we are like uh, four and a half years on. Yeah, he's he's a poser on this, whichever side of the issue you take. I mean, he, he said yesterday, uh, we will always stand up for the rule of law. That That would be sufficient if he were you or I. We're talking on the radio and we're saying, hey, we're happy to stand up for the rule of law. Just uh, as a point of the British North America Act, 1867, he is the rule of law. He is the first minister in the government of Canada. So his duty is to enforce the law. And so these these kind of bromides, these platitudes, uh, at a certain point, he does all the virtue signaling. And that in itself is not unimportant. Uh, But when it comes to act, he can't act. And if you look at the virtue signaling, I mean, he basically killed uh, the sesquicentennial a couple of years ago, stone cold dead uh, with all this uh, big indigenous guilt trip. Uh, the idea that somehow the uh, the first 400 years since uh, Cabot got off the boat have been a disaster, racist, uh, haters, bigots, uh, and then suddenly he's, he's the good news. And this would be a ridiculous theory of the last half millennium of history um, if it were true. But the fact is he isn't the good news. He's just as useless on all these issues, if you take his view of Canadian history, as all the guys uh, at Sussex Drive before him. Well, so what do you make of the fact that he hasn't uh, really acted on this idea that the rule of law is paramount? Uh, he stood down. He's talking about patience uh, being necessary. That's the prudent uh, tack to take. Meanwhile, Legault in Quebec is saying issue a federal ultimatum or else. Yeah, and I think that's actually a good point. I mean, the the thing about this is we've got gesture politics here, which is what a protest is. When that protest has real consequences, for example, I think between uh, uh, various uh, railroad employees, it's well over 1,500 that have been laid off by now. So that's actually real people ceasing to have jobs, uh, essentially because uh, hashtaggers, and uh, and me, preening media queens on Twitter uh, have decided to embrace this particular form of narcissism. It's actually something bizarre because you've got you've got a uh, an ancient and intractable problem, uh, which is the, the the Aboriginal question intersecting with the worst aspects of uh, the slacktivist uh, Twitterati. Uh, and it's this kind of combination that is actually causing a real economic crisis for Canada. So do you see this as being an illegitimate civil uh, act of civil disobedience, or does it have a certain legitimacy? Well, you, no, you were the one who pointed out that the, you, you know, the coppers aren't just deciding, that they're not Bull Connor in the South just uh, de- deciding to uh, uh, take it uh, to people they don't like. They actually have a court, they actually have a piece of paper from the court. 
And that that is why, as I said, the duty of Justin Trudeau is not to uh, not to put on his beard of gravitas uh, uh, with its fashionably fashionable streaks of grey uh, to show that he's older than twelve years old, and then say, "I get it," which is usually the most reliable sign that somebody doesn't get it. Uh, his job is actually to uh, his his job is actually to back up the courts and law enforcement uh, and saying that piece of paper means something or it doesn't mean anything. And if it doesn't mean anything, then your tax demand from Revenue Canada doesn't mean anything. You can't pick and choose which laws uh, are in effect and which laws aren't. Well, but this is the native argument, or at least in certain quarters, that uh, this doesn't apply to them. And uh, in fact, they feel that there's still some ways to go to uh, reconcile or ameliorate federal and indigenous relations. Well, you know, we've all seen this a long. Uh, we've we've seen this for I think what is it now uh, a quarter century something like that since the the big royal commission on uh, Aboriginal peoples, uh, and in the end nothing. I mean, if you go back ten years, everyone was excited. There, you go back twenty years, Canadians were shocked by Davis Inlet. Uh, so they built a new town, which opened ten years later, and within two years, that was in a worse state uh, than even Davis Inlet was. And if you look at the sums of money involved uh, there, for example, uh, they were they were spending. I think it was just shy of three hundred thousand uh, dollars per man, woman, or child in Davis Inlet. These are huge sums of money, and for my view, it would be much better if you're going to give three hundred thousand dollars. Per person, you know, to put them up at the Ritz Carlton in Montreal, mm. and uh, and and uh, a few of them would eventually, after exhausting the mini bar Toblerone and all the rest of it, <laughs> would eventually uh, get curious enough to go out into the street and participate and exploit uh, their economic uh, potential to the full, uh, like any other citizen of Canada. And that basic question. Uh, as to whether uh, as, as to whether uh, Aboriginal Canadians can be full participants in Canadian society, and whether in fact it's crueler uh, actually to to put obstacles in the way of them becoming full participating members of Canadian society isn't actually the greater wickedness. Yeah, well, that's you know sort of part of the problem here that uh, you've got the bulk of uh, these. Bands out west who actually want to see economic development because the prosperity right. accrues to their benefit and so on and so forth. So how it's been stifled is uh, something, I guess, rooted in their own history and has to be resolved. But, uh, but, but, but you know, for everyone else, John, they're just basically taking uh, Justin's pitch at, at face value. Because if you have this thing where the governor general and the prime minister and everybody, every other representative of the Canadian state, the minute they stand up, it doesn't matter whether they're giving a, a speech in Rideau Hall or they're, or, or, or they're down at Tim Hortons rolling up the rim to win, uh, they preface it by saying, before I roll up the rim to win, I want to acknowledge that we're standing on the ancient land of the rim rollers people and uh, we have to say that before I can do anything in this country. They're implicitly saying... Uh, there is no Canadian sovereignty. It, there is no legitimate Canadian state. And you can't blame people uh, for drawing the logical conclusion from that. All right. So that's uh, more than just a sop, I guess. Or is it something that, you know, what you're saying is that uh, a meaningless gesture? 
Well, that's the danger for a complete poser like uh, Justin. If he's overseas when he was touring India dressed as a Bollywood bridesmaid, that's generally uh, has no great consequence on the development of India. When he's closer to home, <laughs> the what you call a meaningless gesture, if you do it often enough, it can suddenly become meaningful. And as I said, these this pointless uh, these pointless gestures. The logic of them is well understood by the people uh, you're trying to prostrate yourself in front of. Again, with Mark Stein, international best-selling author, host of The Mark Stein Show. Let me pivot to uh, something happening south of us, and that's in America. Uh, if those are at home don't understand geography, uh, Bernie Sanders... <laughs> Thank, thanks for the tip. <laughs> it wasn't directed at you specifically. No, Mark. no, I've, I've, got, I've, I've now I've moved away. I've, I've come south of the 49th parallel to the section marked rest of the world. So thanks, thanks for that. Thanks right. for the pointer. Yeah, we're in the pink part. Uh, yeah. You're, yeah. you're in some other part. I think it's green. It's dark green. Uh, right. But here's the thing. Bernie Sanders now, uh, I love this because it's a phrase Conrad Black brought up, uh, reminded me of it the other day. Is he going to mm. get schlonged again by the Democrat establishment? I mean, this guy, Bloomberg is coming in with wads of cash and he's starting to skyrocket up the polls. The the one thing the Democrats can do is schlong Bernie. Um, in in a sense, I think last time around, Bernie sort of invited the schlonging in that he didn't go, unlike Trump vis-a-vis the Republicans, he didn't go nuclear against uh, Hillary and they gamed the system uh, against him. They're trying to do it now. And what's so weird about this is the Democrats are going to end up with a contest because Biden's over. Uh, the way things are shaping up, they're going to end up with a contest between two men, neither of whom were Democrats until 20 minutes ago. I mean, Bernie sits as an independent socialist uh, in the United States Senate. And uh, insofar as he has any political to run on, record to run on, uh, Bloomberg, it's uh, the post-Giuliani, as the post-Giuliani Republican mayor in New York, after 9-11. So they, it says something about the Democrat Party <laughs> that all the actual Democrats are being crushed uh, in the middle between between these two guys, one of whom is running as, you know, the, the uh, tribune of the masses as full-blown socialism. And the other guy is is almost like a parody of the sinister globalist elite, uh, a billionaire who's just decided, a multi-billionaire who's just decided that the, this time round it's easier to buy the Democrats than the other party. <laughs> well, wads of cash are going to rule yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. And, well, I don't know because he is such a terrible... <laughs> He is such a terrible fellow. I mean, his, his, he says things that I think even a scriptwriter. He gave me an award a decade or so back, and uh, he'd just been caught on a hot mic playing golf with another billionaire, uh, defending illegal immigration on the grounds that if we don't uh, have illegal immigrants, who's going to be our golf caddies? <laughs> and uh, so he presented me with the award, and I, I can't remember what I said. Something like, uh, hey, gosh, this is a real thrill to get this from uh, Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, like just 72 hours ago, I was caddying for him. And uh, he has this uh, he has this incredible tin ear, I think. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, talking about gays or blacks or Latinos or women or transgenders. He, he's, he's got this indestructible condescension uh, to the vast mass of humanity. And uh, admittedly, there's a lot of that in the Democrat 
uh, party, but he's the sort of extreme sports version of it. So I don't know how that will go. Well, he can actually uh, run on having curbed sugar drinks in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> absolutely well. Well, that's the great thing. He's he's a classic one of the. He presumes to be able uh, to save the planet with on these climate change proposals. But when it snows, he couldn't actually get salt uh, onto Sixth Avenue in a timely manner. There's a there's there's something to be said for knowing for knowing the the limits of your ambition. And he's not a man uh, of whom that can be said. I would think with his money, he could buy the weather. Anyway. Yeah, I think he could. I think actually he he could. I mean, if if God had a, he should have around two thousand eight. Because after the Lehman Brothers thing, God had a liquidity problem and would have been uh, would have been responsive to an offer. I think. Right, right. a booming sonorous voice. Can you yeah. lend me how much you got on you? All right. Always a pleasure, Mark. You stay well. We'll talk soon. Thanks. So keep that choo choo on the tracks. <laughs> Shall do. Mark Stein, international best-selling author. And host of the Mark Stein Show. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.